Good morning. Is this how you feel today on lockdown? Inside and yet urgently wishing you could be outside in the sun, enjoying the, the great outdoors. Well, I've got good news for you today. Good news about freedom, freedom from lockdown. Stay with me as we look at the events of the last week of Jesus' life here on earth and, and what God intended and what Jesus performed through his sacrifice, through his death on the cross and his glorious resurrection on that third day. God's intention was and remains today to release us from lockdown, lockdown in our lives, but to be free to enjoy the amazing gift of his love and fullness of life, whatever our present circumstances. Do you know, for some people, those who even think about Jesus at the Easter time, they think, well, maybe he was a good man or, or perhaps a teacher. But what did Jesus himself say his purpose was? Listen to these three short passages from the Bible and let's hear what Jesus himself says about his purpose. They're from the Gospel of Mark, that's in the New Testament, if you've got a Bible handy. Ros, over to you. Mark chapter 8, verses 31 to 33. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And then Mark chapter 9, verses 30 to 32. They went on from there and passed through Galilee, and he did not want anyone to know, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days he will rise. But they did not understand the saying and were afraid to ask him. And then on to Mark chapter 10, verses 32 to 34. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. And they were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. And taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what was to happen to him, saying, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days he will rise. Thank you, Ross. The fact that Jesus spoke to his disciples three times along the journey to Jerusalem shows the importance of what was ahead of him and his desire that they understand. Not that they did much right away, other than to try and find favour or position. Further along, Jesus tells them the reason for the events to come. So in Mark 10, verse 45, he says this, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. The idea of giving your life is especially close at home today. NHS workers and others continue to care for the sick because of their calling into a role that's more than just a profession, even at times without the necessary full protective equipment. Examples of willing sacrifice are all too evident in the news right now. How do you feel about that? Are you humbled at their willingness to carry on in spite of the dangers to themselves and their families? 
So people choose to give their lives to care for others in the fight against an illness that we will defeat someday, sooner or later, but at either greater or lesser cost. But what does it say about a supreme God who asks his son to give his life when, presumably being supreme, he could just sort it all out with a word? In other words, how can a God of love, a God who is love, expect his only son to die like Jesus did, tortured, ridiculed and hung on a cross to suffer an excruciating death? How could a God expect his son to do that? Isn't this just another example of the angry gods of ancient times, always needing to be appeased and never satisfied? Shouldn't we reject all that stuff as archaic nonsense, with no place in our modern civic society? Is God angry? And what has love got to do with anger? Let's try to understand loving anger a little bit more. When you see reports in the news of horrific abuse of people, maybe children, perhaps vulnerable people in some way, what do you feel? Do you feel sad? Maybe you might feel sorry for people. Maybe that people could be so bad, but do you even get angry? Can you be angry at what has been done in those situations? Then again, what if you know someone who's making a right mess of their life, making bad choices, doing things that harm themselves deeply? How do you feel? Are you angry at them for doing such things? Parents, has one of your children ever got themselves into, got themselves lost or into real deep trouble? Did you feel angry at all, maybe even in spite of yourself? Did relief at finding them or seeing them set free from a problem did that give way to anger? Does that mean you hate your kids or that you love them less deeply? Of course not. That anger is a reflection of the deep love and concern for them, compassion for them in their situation. So is your anger then incompatible with love or is it part of it? God made us in his own image, like your kids have features and habits that are a bit like you. And God made us to be part of his family, to love us as family members. But you know, we like our kids, we have free choice to follow either in the family way or to do things our way, however much harm that may do to ourselves. What do I mean by we have choice? Well, consider again those NHS workers. Have you seen the video messages from nurses and doctors pleading with people to please stay at home and take full regard of lockdown and social distancing for everyone's sake, but especially for their patients and the patients they will yet treat? How does that make you feel? Are you sad? Are you upset? Maybe even angry at those who choose to carry on as if, as if normal, as, as if nothing can touch them, meeting, meeting up for picnics, barbecues, crowding into beaches and beauty spots as if they were immune or even immortal and having not a care for themselves or their loved ones or their community. Are you feeling angry now? Do you know, from God's perspective, maybe that's exactly what we are doing. Listen to what the prophet Isaiah says on the subject. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned, every one of us, to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquities of us all. Jesus came to be the answer to our poor choices. 
our sheep-like wandering along our own way, fully convinced that our way is the right way. However altruistic or good we might think we are, if we live having rejected God and the family love he offers, we're missing the mark big time. Jesus chose to be the answer, like our NHS will be the answer to COVID-19, but at deep cost, a cost which might be overwhelming for some, as seen in the videos they they post, overwhelmed by what they are facing daily. Jesus too was overwhelmed by the depth of his choice. Let's hear from Ros and uh, the Gospel of Mark again. Mark 14, 32 to 36. They went to a place called Gethsemane and he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Jesus' choice, that cup which he speaks of, that's the horrors of being without God, his Father. All of the mistakes of humanity, from simple sheep-like wanderings to evil abuses and sheer wickedness, poured into one place and waiting for him in death. But this was the only way for him to defeat it. Who of us would put themselves in harm's way to save a child? Who of us would give of themselves to ease the burden of another, love someone till it hurts so they might know what love really is? That was Jesus' choice, to love us to death. And now we have a choice too. What is our choice? when things get tough. Perhaps for the most part in your life, you've been able to dodge the tough times, change your circumstances, move out of town to another job, or in some way get dealt another hand. That's fine as far as it goes. But what happens when those options run out? It may seem to us that at his arrest approaches, Jesus' options have run out. He set himself on a course of of confrontation with the religious leaders with the Roman governor and even with the people who themselves who welcomed him uh, just one week ago as a conquering king and now will reject him as a sad loser. Nothing could be further from the truth. The fact that he has been preparing his disciples all along shows how he's chosen this path right from the very start. A path of obedient love. His reaction at seeing the immensity of what lay ahead of him while praying in the garden is not one of fear without hope, but abject horror at seeing the reality of what he's approaching. It's like walking around a corner to see a loved one involved in a terrible car accident. How would you feel? And yet faced with that that in front of him, Jesus' response is obedience, not my will, but yours. Jesus' deepest reaction to seeing the horror ahead is not to suppress the horror, but to rise above it with obedience to achieve the end result, life for all. Having faced that in prayer, he then stands to face the reality, but strengthened in his faith. Do you know, our NHS workers may be brought to tears at the thought of what might result from their actions, but they carry on knowing the ultimate good they will purchase for us, by their sacrifice and their service. 
What choice do we face then? Presented with the fact of a God of love whom we have rejected to our own detriment, with our demise as a result for which God's own son must pay the price, what do we do? Do we run? Do we try to avoid the situation, hope to change the rules of the game? Do we put our hands, you know, our heads in the sand or our fingers in our ears singing a merry little comforting song? Or do we face up to the magnitude of what is afoot? Take it on the chin and say, not my way, but yours. Will we choose to accept the gift of life paid for by Jesus' blood and step into a new life reliant on a God of love who cares for us all. It may seem that saying that's like saying goodbye to all of our dreams and desires or enslaving ourselves to another for no real purpose. But the truth is, this is who we are. God's family, a marvellous creation filled with his own breath and free to choose. We can choose a life lived for ourselves or a fuller life lived for him. We can choose a life that will end or a life that will never end. And so to Easter Sunday, Jesus' resurrection is proof that his death was not the end of him, but the beginning for us. A new beginning with the clock reset to zero on our relationship with God and consequences of our poor choices set aside, but not without cost. Jesus paid that cost for you and for me, willingly and in love, that we might no longer wander aimlessly, but take our part in God's family. Perhaps today is your Gethsemane day. As you look ahead, is there darkness and fear and a suffering world, or light and hope in Jesus? How do you move from one place to another? Like Jesus' choice in the garden, you can choose the path to freedom. Making that choice is both simple and yet challenging. It's to choose to put another first above your hopes and dreams, laying your life down. But how do you do that? The Bible is clear. At Pentecost, thousands of people saw the power of God poured out through the disciples. Peter stood up and told them all of the truth and consequences of their lives. What must we do to be saved, they cried. Repent and be baptised for the forgiveness of your sins and you will be saved, is the answer Peter gave them. Repent. That means to recognise and admit that you're you're going the wrong way and that you need to turn around and go another way. Make Jesus number one in your life and trust him for all of your life, for salvation now and forever. Be baptised. That means make an outward sign of the inner change that's happened from within. You can do that today. You can say a prayer with me. I'm going to lead you now. The words will come up on the screen. And if you want to make that change, say that prayer along with me. Lord Jesus, I want to know you personally. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I open the door of my life to you and ask you to come in as my Saviour and Lord. Take control of my life. Thank you for forgiving my sins and for giving me eternal life. Make me the kind of person you want me to be.
Amen. Do you know, the Amen at the end of that prayer means I agree or make it so. It's like a signature on the end of a contract, your commitment to fall in line with God and his purposes. Now, the next thing to do is to make some kind of public declaration. Tell someone that you did that. Make it a reality in your life. And then to be baptised. Well, tell us of your choice, the choice that you've made. Send in a message, private message, text or email. And then we can celebrate with you. And we can organise a true baptism when time permits and when we're allowed out again. But we can actually organise that for you. And you can make a public declaration before the heavenlies and before man as well. Now, let's just worship one last time. Let's, let's sing to him in celebration of new life, of Jesus' resurrection and of our salvation. Mike, Andrew, over to you.